0: Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app, or by email at greener at gmail dot com. Hello, everybody. Uh, I just want to let you know that there aren't too many environmental announcements or anything that I want to cover for the episode announcements. So I'm going to dive into the next segment, which is headlines from the hemispheres, which as you know, or if you're new to the Green Thoughts program here, it's where I cover all types of environmental news all across the globe. So the first headline is out of Sri Lanka, and it has to do with hungry elephants and a landfill. So Solanka digs moat around landfill to keep out hungry elephants and Reuters.com had this story and it briefly talked about how there are dozens of elephants that trample around the forest daily and are in search for food along this garbage dump that is in this town of Empara and they've been rubbed. Uh, rumble, uh, rumbling through it for rubbish and small vegetable scraps and other types of foods to eat and it's a common site there in Sri Lanka and in Ampara it holds one of the country's three largest landfills and so it uh, Sri Lankans really wanted to center it as a Focal point for wildlife protection. So what they did was they tried to stop the elephants from consuming plastic and and along the food scraps because inevitably, uh, plastic is found in a lot of places in our waterways, in our uh, landfills, of course, and other places too. And so the elephants were slowly being killed by eating that plastic. In 2019, a record 361 elephants died, mainly because of humans, according to local environmental groups there. So the Lampara landfill, it has been in existence for a while now, a little over a decade ago. And it uh, was in the main uh, corridor route or in the away or I should say of about 200 to 300 elephants so it's been there amongst the elephants for a while but even preventative measures like electric fences those weren't even deterring animals so uh, elephants wild elephants are special to Sri Lanka about 7,500 are living in the wild in uh, Sri Lanka And amongst a population of 22 million uh, people. And uh, they uh, do believe that domesticated elephants are, you know, highly revered on the island. And they're used for religious and cultural events throughout the year. Next is a headline out of Italy. And it's about hazelnuts. The Dark Side of Hazelnut Farming, DW.com. I did report on a story. And for those who um, didn't know, hazelnut farming is not so clean cut. It definitely, um, when you look at the Italian landscape and some of the places that are uh, heavy with hazelnut farming, you'll see a lot of uh, monoculture being practiced. It's a, it's the ugly hand that's been laid um, across Italy, for those who are farmers of hazelnuts, uh, within central Italy, that's like a main hotspot for this type of farming. Birds, frogs, insects, they don't even make their homes amongst the hazelnuts anymore in endless r- rows of hazelnut fields. Uh, around 40, 43% of the agricultural land in Verbo is reversed or re- is reserved for hazelnut orchards. And the bulk of the use for the hazelnuts are for things like chocolate, all because of nougat and and chocolate. And so that kind of wraps up a lot of the uh, use of hazelnuts. And monoculture is dangerous because uh, of its practices of kind of monopolizing certain crops to be used in farmland and it's expanded so much in different regions it's a concern for different environmentalists uh, in Italy the impact is great uh, when you think about uh, hazelnut monoculture in particular from the use of chemical fertilizers and pesticide treatments to you know the soil becoming increasingly arid it's a big problem and it leads to erosion of course many problems also, in the harvest season, there are clouds of toxic dust that are kicked up by the heavy machinery. Quote the de- that dust is full of chemicals, which are a big problem for people's health. End quote, and that was said of the president of an environmental organization in southern Tuscany. Uh, and uh, when it comes to uh, the fact that hazelnut farming is happening. It is one of the glaring examples uh, of environmental uh, degradation in the region. And then lastly is a positive headline out of positive that news. What went right this week? A novel use of food waste plus more positive news. And of course, it's out of the UK. So there was an engineering student, Carvey Ethren Amangay, and he is from Mapal University in the Philippines. And he used uh, wasted food, uh, waste that consisted of fruit and vegetables to make a plastic-like material that can be easily attached to buildings. And so his invention that he dubbed the Aris, uh landed him a sustainability gong in the James Dyson Awards. You can find out more about that awards Um, organization and its mission at www.jamesdysonawards.org. Unlike solar panels, ARIES works even when not directly facing the sun because it can pick up UV rays bouncing off buildings. So we're going to talk about a great uh, bit of new fresh research concerning biochar which if you haven't heard of it it is a magical substance which I'm going to talk a little bit about and sciencedaily.com is where I found this amazing research from my alma mater Penn State. We are and I wanted to dive into it because wastewater And uh, because of contaminants that are found in wastewater, there are numerous types that we're going to discuss. And the two different types of biochar that are going to be compared is where this research is going to kind of stem from. And so it's going to be essentially the battle of the biochars, in which ones kind of prevail, and how they uh, really uh, get rid of a lot of the um, foul, toxic, and um, destructive. Uh, contaminants in wastewater and other applicable uses maybe in the future. We can talk about those as well. So uh, for biochar, it is a really cool substance. It's kind of like a charcoal and it's made from agricultural waste products. Uh, anything uh, that uh, you can deem as waste, especially like food waste or anything from the crops itself, it's it's great like that and it holds a lot of promise at uh, essentially removing contaminants like pharmaceuticals from treated wastewater. So treated wastewater, it goes through a series of processes, of processes and um, this is a great a step in making water as clean as possible even though it's been treated already. So researchers from Penn State University, they conducted a novel study And they wanted to evaluate and compare the ability for biochar derived from different agricultural materials, leftover ones. Uh, The first is cotton gin waste, and then the other is galluille bagasse. And they wanted to see if it would absorb uh, three different pharmaceutical compounds from an aqueous solution. And the absorption would uh, take place as in two different types of absorption so these are kind of important ones to note uh, of the pharmaceutical compounds the first Uh, Absorption to take place would be uh, it's sticking to the surface of another, like the solid biochar particle. So the pharmaceutical compound would, in essence, uh, stick to the solid biochar particle. And then the other type of absorption seen was that uh, one would be taken into the other. So uh, the uh, biochar would absorb, uh, in essence, like a sponge absorbs water, it would absorb the pharmaceutical compounds. Now, gaiule, one of the tested biochars, is a type of shrub that grows in the arid southwest in the U.S., and it provided a great source of a biochar being tested as part of the research. It's scientifically named as Parthenium argentatum, and it's cultivated for its uses of rubber, natural rubber, and latex. The plant itself is chopped to the ground and its branches are mashed up to extract the latex. Then the dry and uh, pulpy uh, fibrous uh, tissue that residue there uh, that remains after the stalks are crushed are used to extract latex, which is called bagasse. And the results are pretty important because it demonstrates the potential for uh, biochar to be useful and made from uh, tons of different uh, agricultural wastes that are out there. This could really uh, stem the tide and really uh, change the way that we think of contaminants and how we can treat things like wastewater for use of irrigation or other uses too. Uh, Next, let's look at what the research shows and what uh, step-by-step happened. So, the pharmaceutical compounds used in the study were the following. Uh, the first was uh, sulfapyridine, which is an antibacterial medication. It's not really used anymore um, for uh, being transcribed, being prescribed to treat um, infections in humans. It was used, and um, in, in you can see it more used um, for veterinary medicine purposes. And then the second pharmaceutical compound was docusate. And it's used in medicines as a laxative and a stool softener. And then three is erythromycin, which is used as an antibiotic used to treat infections and acne. So the results were published uh, in uh, the middle of uh, November Uh, In the journal Biochar, ironically, uh, which suggested that, of course, all those um, biochars uh, made from agricultural waste materials can act as effective absorbitants to remove pharmaceuticals from reclaimed water prior to irrigation, which is really, really great. Now, in the research, uh, it documented that the cotton gin waste was most effective at absorbing the docusate, about 98%. 74% it was great uh, with the absorption of the erythromycin. And then 70% um, great at absorption of the uh in the aqueous solution. Now, by comparison the biochar that was from the gaiul bagasse absorbed about 50% of the docusate, 50% of the erythromycin, and about 5% of the sulfapryodine. According to the research, uh, the greater the increased temperature that really made a difference when it came to um, the paralysis process um, and absorbing um, the pharmaceutical compounds into the biochars. Now, uh, what's next for the research? What can we um, think as positive things that we can look forward to when it comes to this research? Well, one of the uh, lead researchers, Marlene Down. Uh, said that the research is more than theoretical, so there are bigger possibilities for this research. And she talked about scaling up the technology and this really making a difference in the world, specifically the cotton gin waste, uh, because it's widely available. You know, cotton is a big player um, and it's a big material used either conventionally and organically in recent years. Um, And, you know, when it comes to some of the poorest regions of the world, they can uh, look to this source as a biochar to help decontaminate their water. So let's look towards a notable quotable. And so we can wrap up and then move to the next segment, my commentary. So, quote, the most innovative part about the research was the use of the guyule bagasse because there have been no previous studies on using that material to produce biochar for the removal of emerging contaminants. Same for cotton gin waste. Research has been done on potential ways to remove other contaminants, but this is the first study to use cotton gin waste specifically to remove pharmaceuticals from water. End quote. And that again was from lead researcher Marlene Down a doctoral student in Penn State's Department of Agricultural and Biological Engineering. I feel like this research could also, as the lead researcher uh, Miss Down definitely uh, pointed out, that Uh, this research could be best used for some of the more developing countries of the world that don't have the best uh, access to water and clean safe sanitary water. Um, You know when it comes to cotton gin use and having that agricultural waste there, that biochar that's valuable, that's a great purpose um, to to use it in water and to help clean the waters of different countries of the world. Not everyone is, I wouldn't say is privileged, but everyone doesn't have the same um, opportunities to get clean water, and the infrastructure sometimes is just not there. Um, And that's unfortunate, and it's not fair, but seeing as this could be an option, I'm, I'm happy and so ecstatic that I decided to talk about this and really um, up my alma mater and how it loves um, research so much. You know, it's big on research and sports. And I wanted to kind of center on something as valuable as water because wa- water is what we need to survive. You know, you can't go th- past three days without it. You know, if you do, you know, you're, you're, you're you know, saying hi to death. Um, You know, when it comes to um, countries that lack the proper infrastructure, they have to worry about a lot of different things. You know, if their water is clean or even safe enough to even use, you know, if it's sanitary, um, they have to think about water well structural components and finding those sometimes linking up with different organizations or, you know, different countries coming to build uh, water wells. Um, water.org is an organization that I think are firsthand at um, rebuilding communities after disasters, or making sure that they have the structures needed to gain access to water and to be able to sustain themselves, their families and to uh, live. Um, if the water is affordable, because there are countries in, in the world that either cannot afford the water, it's not a basic right. Or there are powerful people in places that are able to weaponize water. Um, And then another uh, fact that countries have to deal with, or the people of the countries, I should say, is the transportation to even get to a water source. You know, is it on foot? Is it by um, train? Or is it by car, vehicle, moped? You get the idea. Where is the water? How can they safely um, receive the water? um get the water um and then tr- safely transport that water back to their homes um water wars um is a factor that we must think of as well because um even though the research didn't touch on it because it, that wasn't really the focus of it i know that water wars are a persistent um societal issue because of water being such an important resource. We cannot live without it. And there are countries on the brink of death having multiple droughts affecting their croplands, their uh, residential areas, their rivers are drying up in, in several countries, like maybe Malawi, for example. I saw a video um, some weeks ago about Malawi and how a lot of the fishermen, they're either having to um, go out of business Or they're having to pivot and uh, find other ways to uh, make their fishing stock um, thrive in the off season, or they're just really scaling back when it comes to the the number of fish that they can sell um, as part of the business as fishermen. So water wars and even climate change um, has an impact too when it comes to water. Now, the biochar I think is is really a beautiful idea, a really smart idea when it comes to filtering out so much things like bacteria and viruses and and dirt, and of course pharmaceuticals, but it also you know can filter things like oil, um, organic matter, and maybe chemicals you know if it can filter out. Um, all these amazing, uh, things that don't have to go in our bodies, can it do the same for large scale things, industrial wastes, for example, um, bagasse is a viable, um, component because it has so many different, uh, wastes that can be, or in our bagasse. For example, um, sugar cane is a type of bagasse. Grapes, I didn't even know that until I researched this, um, piece, Uh, Olives, same thing. Palm nuts, even though you really want to avoid those because of palm oil. And sugar beets too, those are viable um, bagasse uh, alternatives too. Now, uh, bagasse has a few different uses. You can use it, um, the waste of it for paper and for fuel, which is a common use. Also for um, boarding or for animal feed too. Um, but I really want to know if biochar could be a um, sustainable solution for farms of the future to filter things like lots of animal waste or um, waste from treated wastewater. So I know that animal wastewater and human wastewater are vastly different. Um, So, for example, um, when it comes to processing of um, a meat facility, um, or waste from a meat facility. They use several different uh, waste systems. So one of them, I know I'm, I'm familiar with this, is a pond or a lagoon system where the waste runs through a processing a wastewater system and, and it's pre-treated um, in a pretreatment treatment system. And then after pre-treatment, the wastewater will flow into a pond or a lagoon system. But I've also seen where sometimes the ponds or lagoons just hold the waste and it's not properly treated and somehow maybe a truck will go ahead and take care of it or it's sprayed um, in, in some places like in, in Arkansas and in I think North Carolina where they sometimes spray the untreated waste um, in the back of uh, Uh, unsuspecting residents' homes, those who live around the area. So that's a a no-no. But people get away with it because the laws are lax or because there's not effective monitoring or proper treatment protocols in place already. Um, The different waste systems that, you know, we have today uh, when it comes to treating wastewater period are um, either for us, us humans or for, you know, using and connecting a municipal wastewater treatment uh, system in place. There are different septic systems. There's constructed wetlands, which are I think mainly for animals, and also um, anaerobic digesters. And then lastly, pond or lagoon systems. Those are for animals too. So that is uh, a lot that I've covered, but I don't want to leave you yet because there's one more thing I want to cover before I get to the Mother Earth Minutes. And that's the number of countries that actually lack clean water. So the World Health Organization and the United Nations, they came up with their joint monitoring program uh, for 2017. They have an update of it and they have their sustainable development guidelines and they have a report that you can find on the website uh, for the World Health Organization and the UN too. And the top 10 countries as of 2017 that lack clean water or have water difficulty issues. Uh, sometimes uh, they have limited services where there's clean water t- told to them. Um, and then there's also open defecation that happens in a percentage of the populations of, of one of these countries in particular. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll name all of them. So I'll go from the, um, the first to the 10th. So top country that lacks uh, clean water is Uganda. Number two is Ethiopia. Number three is Nigeria. Number four is Cambodia. Number five is Nepal. Number six is Ghana. Number seven is Bhutan. Number eight is Pakistan. Number 9 is the Congo or the Democratic Republic of Congo. And number 10 is Mexico. The Mother Earth Minute is where I review in the next few minutes proactive things that we can do to combat the issue in the episode and to protect Mother Earth. So there are a number of different solutions that we can bring to ourselves to I think really fight the issue, which is water access, clean water, uh, and making sure that we're putting to use some of the agricultural wastes that are from farms or maybe even from our plates one day. Um, And so I'm going to briefly talk about some fascinating water filter facts and then some sustainable um, different natural materials that you can use Uh, that I'll get to um, in a bit about how you can, you know, filter your water uh, safely as well. So one of the first facts, and I found these online from waterfilters.net. These are really, uh, I think, important facts to know, especially the second one. And as the majority of my audience is women, I think it's important for us to recognize uh, the importance of drinking water, period, but especially when it comes to our health. And so, uh, what percentage of the nation's 65,000 community systems in the U.S. are unable to meet minimum standards set by the Safe Drinking Water Act? According to the General Accounting Office, or GAO, it's 20%. That is a small percentage. Next fact. Um, drinking five glasses of water daily increases decreases the risk of breast cancer by what percentage 79% almost 80% just by drinking water five glass of water every single day you decrease your risk of breast cancer that's amazing I didn't even know that fact but I knew I had to talk about it so be sure to drink your water safely make it clean and let's proceed on there are a few different types of water filters you know if you're stuck in the wilderness if you live a minimalistic lifestyle if you're in a bind and maybe you can't readily find clean water or an available trusted water source then these water filters are for you i didn't want to go the route of getting um, eco-friendly filters I'll save that maybe for another podcast episode so I wanted to take things back and you know go the all-natural route for anyone who is interested in alternatives to your different water filters that are already on the market so of the natural filters uh, one of them I want to start with is from a duo from uh, Akshara Legala and from Sudhiti Bahat. They were two high school students from Sacramento, California, and they developed and tested gray water filtration systems with natural filters in 2017, so pretty recently. And they won a Community Innovation Award from the Society for Science, and they really got inspired because in different parts of the world, like Latin America and Africa, they use natural filters for using uh, in processing of their gray water um, filtration systems already. So they looked at different um, natural materials like coconut husks and maize and seeds and and really wanted to see how those were sought after at removing different chemicals and toxins from the gray water um, and if polluted correctly, if they could um, filter um, and have and pull fresh water uh, from that same gray water. So via their research, they found that there's potential for a number of different uh, types of natural solutions that are great to filtrate water, such as uh, the first one, um, uh, charcoal powder, which is, has been used in gray water treatments before and it also can replace chlorine as a natural disinfectant didn't know that before uh the next one a B, is moringa um alpha vera uh seeds the prime is that word but it contains a protein with an antimicrobial effect in water filtration and then c uh, is corn because it has the ability to trap chemicals in its pores and soak in the excess uh, salts like calcium and magnesium. It was um, crushed a uh, corn cob. Another type of natural uh, filtration system is sand. Sand dates back to over 2,000 years back as being one of the first types of water filtration systems for humans, and it can filter out particles as small as 25 microns, and the Romans and the Greeks used it. Oysters are also perfect for naturally uh, being a great filtration system because they filter toxins when they feed, and the water that passes through an oyster is clean enough to drink. One adult... One adult oyster can filter more than 60 gallons of water a day. Number four are coconut husks. They are used both commercially, commercially, I'm tripping over my words, and uh, also for DIYers out there. And they're great at trapping most particles, toxins, even parasites, including Crypto, Cryptospimoridium and guardia and then number 5 is Ceramic. Ceramic is big. It is slow but it's effective as a medium for filtering according to MIT and it removes arsenic and microbes and it's used in developing countries because of its low costs and number 6 and the last one is diatomaceous Earth when it's layered ever so slightly, it's very fine in its texture, but it's great at removing larger types of impurities like algae, waterborne viruses, according to the National Drinking Water Clearinghouse. Dial Timacious Earth it is a earth-based uh, water filter, and is popular for recreational use, so uh, great for people who have swimming pools. I also did talk a little bit more about diatomaceous earth back in the eight natural insecticides you can craft at home podcast episode I did. It's episode 192, and it's from September 24th, uh, 2020. So those are the different eight kinds of natural different filtration um. Components that you can use when you're out and about, or when you're in a pinch, or really don't have the capacity or technology uh, to get you some cleaner water that way. These are some great substitutes. fact of the day is that a bald eagle disables a government drone sinking it to the bottom of Lake Michigan. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club Sierra Magazine in the November-December 2020 issue. The Eco Company Spotlight is where I discuss and talk about all types of amazing environmentally related products and services from different companies. All different kinds that you may know or maybe not know. And that's my you know focus here, especially in the segment, to talk about companies that matter and that put the planet first. They vary in scope and in history and in what they stand for. And I try to piece together and talk about, you know, why they benefit you and what you can learn a little bit more about them and see if they meet needs for you. And if not, then you can share the amazing uh, details uh, with someone you may know. Maybe someone's looking in the market for another type of uh, ethical, sustainable um, makeup or they're looking for an app that will let them know where they can search for recycled goods or um, where they can find where to recycle certain things like maybe car parts or tires, etc. So uh, I really do my due diligence every single episode. And if for some reason, you know, there are thousands, millions of products out there, And of course, I can't review them all, as of recently, I have been talking about, you know, sometimes I just can't review all the products, as in actually getting them and being tangible, but I can make the best informed decision with the information that's out there, reviews from other people, Um, you know, namely, I did that for this podcast episode for this segment here, Um, and the brand that I'm going to talk about But uh, in any case, if, for example, I haven't been able to purchase a product, I immediately let you know. But if I have purchased it, then I definitely give uh, even more of a um, thorough review. And uh, if in the future I decide to purchase the product, I will update you in a future episode announcements uh, segment, which you can hear at the top of the episode so i'm going to um you know talk about this amazing company as you know i've been doing a lot of reviews since february 2019 and i cannot wait to let you know about this company called day owl so day owl hails from pittsburgh pennsylvania they all creates small yet stylish sustainable backpacks made from quality materials such as 100 percent recycled post-consumer plastic bottles Plus, 100% recycled polyester lining and trim, LWG-certified leather detailing, water-repellent neoprene, and conflict-free metal YKK zippers. Day Owl definitely uh, works with its sister company, uh, The First Mile, and has an an initiative of um, Thread International and Work that formalizes waste collection networks in low-income country communities uh, and bridges the gap for global brands to purchase from these responsible supply chains, thus diverting plastic waste from our world's oceans and landfills. And it also has created supply chains that have saved millions of pounds of plastic from landfills and the ocean. Those uh, things have also created uh, income generation opportunities for thousands of collectors and developed programming that has curtailed and remediated uh, child labor in landfills and undercut bad faith practices like predatory lending and has ensured that families can safely make the transition to the formal economy. If you love the sound of that, you can learn about more information about their initiative at www.firstmilemade.com. Now, Day Owl has a few sustainable actions going for it, namely, um, its total commitment to sustainability around their backpacks and the infrastructure on that. I did talk about it uh, previously about the 100% recycled post-consumer plastic bottles that the backpacks are made from and the amazing uh, 100% recycled polyester lining and trim. And again, the, w, the LWG certified uh, leather detailing, that wonderful water repellent neoprene and the conflict-free metal YKK zippers. You gotta love that. Number two... They help the supply chains of Haiti, uh, Honduras, and Taiwan uh, become stronger and build amazingly strong self-sufficient communities because this is where they get their workforce uh, from these amazing communities that are able to sustain themselves. Number three is that with every bag, it reduces waste. And it's a closed loop production cycle that means that when you need your bag repaired you can simply email them and either get it repaired uh, or sometimes get a discount code and coupon for another bag the next time you buy from them they have a a limited amount of different products but it's all great um, because that's kind of what makes their bags unique also Their bags are uh, in the different varieties of their slim profile, they have their secondhand bags, and they have the Misfits, which I'll get to a little bit. They have also their bundle products, and they have accessories too, which are different companies that that sell merch uh, on their site. Uh, I think Day Owl is a great uh, brand. It's awesome for anybody who wants to um, gift a day owl too. So for me, it's not really my style as a backpack because I'm not super minimalistic. I love uh, backpacks that are uh, patterned that also are sustainable too, but they are kind of have some weight to them and have a bit more structure um, in some ways. I know that there is some structure to the day owl backpack, but, um, if I, if I could see myself buying this, you know, maybe things will change in the future. I'm not sure, but I would definitely buy, like, from the Misfits collection, which is really, really cute and quaint. Um, it's a fully functional backpack. It's extremely minimalistic. I've seen three to... Uh, four different reviews on the backpack itself and it is unisex. It has tons of beautiful colors uh, to choose from. It has olives, it has reds, it has oranges, it has grays, whites, off colors. Um, It has a a definite rainbow roy G Biv um, selection of colors and I love that as a backpack. So if you're a fan of colors uh, you will definitely love uh, this backpack. They have uh, many different, a few different sizes, not many different sizes. They have a couple different sizes. So they have their little bag, their little backpack size, which is a 13-inch uh, laptop. It can fit that. And their big backpack, which can fit a 15-inch uh, laptop. You can maybe squeeze a 17-inch laptop in it if you are careful enough. If you want to see more about the backpack in action or its origin story, their... Um, was a video on it that you can check out called a better backpack by threat international on youtube and they partnered with day owl uh, for that video and uh, the misfits collection which i said that i would talk about is sort of the seconds uh bag collection uh from day owl so their prices are lowered in that collection to about 99 dollars. so that's great for anybody who doesn't want to spend Um, you know, a hefty, hefty amount on a, on a backpack, you know, some bags can get over a hundred dollars, you know, 250 to $500. That's a bit to spend on the backpack. I get it. But these bags still can get loved, can still, uh, serve a great purpose. And some of them do have scratches or tiny defects. So that is the trade-off from the Misfits collection. Um, But when you are ready for an upgrade of your day owl bag, it's it's totally fine. You can send it back to them and they'll find a way to give it a new life. So not only does it prevent it from uh, keeping it out of the landfills, it ensures that with the story of you, of all the people that made the bag, whoever owns it, uh, definitely can have the bag live on as long as possible, which is great. So if your bag gets ripped or chewed or otherwise damaged, you can just send them an email at help at dayowl.com and then you can get the repair process kickstarted. There are a few cons uh, regarding I've, the bag I've seen and I've, I've seen the videos on different reviews. So there are a few downsides, I guess. Uh, one of them is that because it has a wax canvas feel, I, I've heard that a couple times, uh, the bags can maybe attract pet hair or the types of um, wear and tear depending on the color. So depending on the color you get, uh, maybe like a black or a darker uh, color, uh, you'll start to see the, the hair residue and maybe the wear and tear more frequently depending. Even though uh, the bags I saw that were reviewed from different reviewers on YouTube, for example, they, uh, they had a lovely time with their bag. It doesn't have a false bottom that's the other con so for all those who know about false bottoms it means that you can't readily put your laptop in it and then drop it to the ground because it's not secure that way there's nothing at the bottom uh, being as a sort of base for the backpack and so you're gonna really want to be careful about you know putting it down on the ground you you're probably best putting it in a chair or next to you and, and next to your person uh, is the correct wording, I guess, for that. Um, and it doesn't have um, all the pockets are, you know, structured in some way, but some aren't, like the top pocket, so it can kind of get weighty. And um, you know, those are some of the cons. Now the prices vary, so um, at the at the at the huge end, newest styles and everything, those bags go for about 149. All these are in American dollars and the slim backpack is about $129 and then the Misfits are, you know, selling out already Um, but you can still buy yours if you uh, check out the website. So those are again at $99 and their second hands collection all those are sold out. I'm not even sure if they're going to restock those. So I give them a total rating of 4.8 out of 5 green thumbs up. So Day Owl can be found online at www.dayowl.com and you can find out more about Day Owl on their social media platforms a Facebook at Day Owl and Instagram at Hello Day Owls. And you can contact Day Owl by checking out their website www.dayowl.com. And then uh, checking out their website just to send them a message online via their chat um, uh, feature that they have on the website, or emailing them at help at dayowl.com. Thank you for all those who have tuned in and are listening uh, to my amazing podcast episode here, and just for all the support, it really um, is you know beautiful to get. Uh, the interactions, and a lot of uh, people click on, you know, different uh, episode topics, and I want to be able to get to the next month um, and uh, break down the different uh, top 10 lists because in, um, you know, that period, I usually do that in the later part of the year, so even though the episodes are essentially retroactive, um, I'm still going to be able to somewhat catch up um, and so hopefully the, uh, month that these, um, episodes will be published and it'll kind of go swiftly from there. So I'll kind of break up, um, the different topics. So I'll definitely uh, get to doing those top 10 lists of different things should be really fun. And I try and do that for every, uh, month, uh, in the late, later half of the year, um, I really am happy that I, again, talked about this topic and I was able to break down, you know, the components of biochar and the cotton gin uh, biochar component and the uh, other one as well. I'm really, you know, excited that, you know, I was able to break it down and have fun and talk about it, but also the natural components of it, you know, having that bagasse gas uh, or biochar um, and that learning that there are different types of biochar as well, uh, especially when it comes to bagasse. Like, I didn't know that there were so many. I knew that there were others, of course, and that there, there's so many uses for them. Of course, fuel being like the number one. But uh, I'm I'm happy that you decided to check out on the different uh, natural types of filtration that are out there because there are tons of different ones out there. Um, and the new steps that can be taken in the future to ensure that, uh, the countries that are out there that are struggling um, and don't have safe water. And it's 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 not to be taken for granted um, that they're able to um, find solutions and we're able to cultivate them. The places like here in the U.S., if we have the technology, let's share it with the world and make sure that everyone has access to better clean water and they can use that water for good. So thank you, as always. Thank you for um, supporting the podcast. Thank you for sharing. Thank you to my paid supporter thus far uh, of uh, the podcast. Every little bit helps. It goes back into the podcast. And for all those who are interested in supporting Greener Thoughts, you can definitely do so a few different ways by sharing podcast episodes, by listening continuously, and by going to anchor.fm for slash Thoughts podcast. And then clicking on the tab that says support. And there are different tiers that you can use to support the podcast. So thank you so much, as always, for checking out my podcast and listening thus far. Remember, as always, to please take care of yourselves and to please take care of the planet. See ya.